Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our first scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 25, verses 19 through 34. These are the generations of Isaac, Abram's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. 
As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Thanks be for the word of God. Thank you, Paul. A couple of notes that these famous twins, as I said, they wrestled in the womb. Jacob was trying to overcome Esau. Jacob's name, by the way, later becomes Israel, which means he who wrestles with God. So the wrestling started real early, and he didn't stop. But what we have here that I think sets up the story, Esau had a birthright. He managed to get born first. He should have been the older son with all that in that culture went with it. And he despised, the Bible says, despised his birthright because a bowl of red lentil stew and a piece of bread was more important to him that day. The, care, the immediate cares of the world were more important than the role he was supposed to play in a family that God had said, this is the blessed family. Abraham, your children will be like the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the beach. You're gonna be a big part in history, Abraham, and your children. Now, I don't know how much of that story they'd bother to tell Esau or if he'd paid attention, but apparently a good meal was far more important to him at that point. And Jacob, who had a, a long history of being a trickster, if you ever take a little one to Davis farmland, read first why those sheep that are speckled are called Jacob's sheep. They have up to six horns, too. They're funny-looking critters. But anyway, so Esau, and by the way, the name Edom doesn't mean famished, it means red. He was a redhead, apparently a hunter type, and then he wanted the red lentil stew. And ever thereafter in the Bible, when you read the history of the Hebrew people and they're at war with the Edomites, they fought so brutally because they were cousins. The children of Esau, Edom, and the children of Jacob. And that's why they're they were so bad, but he despised his birthright. In the parable of the sower, I think Jesus tells us of a birthright. He tells us to be in him, to be with him, is to die to this world and accept a new life, and with it we get a new birthright. And God gives us that birthright in his word. So he tells a story and it unsettles me when I find a word that people argue about in the Bible. I want to read it and trust it. and Of course, it's come through translations. When one translation of the Greek, it doesn't say a sower went out to sow his field. It said the sower. Ooh. Is that God? Is that Jesus? Or where they were sitting, he's in a boat by a hillside with somebody up on the hill sowing seed. 
He may have pointed somebody and said, the sower. We don't know. Puny point, except that in the back of the head, who is the sower? Now, the fields in that part of the world at that time tended to be kind of long and narrow. It was easier to sow the fields. And there were paths between them like rights of way, kind of like between your favorite pews in church so you can get in and out of here easily. Well, you can imagine if those are rights of way, if those are paths for all and sundry to travel through and past these farmlands, they're packed. They may not have had bituminous asphalt pavement or concrete, but sandaled feet did a pretty good job of packing that soil till seeds would just bounce off. And of course, if you've ever tried to, to seed along and a lawn or some area and the birds get there first and it didn't nestle down in the ground real well. We had about two dozen poults. Trivia question, what's a poult? That's what you call a young turkey. We had about four mama turkeys and two dozen of them yesterday morning going across our lawn. Something had been stirred up in the rain. They were, they were chowing down. I'm glad it wasn't grass seed. We have a naked lawn. It's not that great anyway, but that would really have done it in. So they fall on the path and the, the birds pluck them up. And Jesus says, those birds are not good birds. That's falling on a mind and a heart that are too hard to receive the word of God. And it bounces off. And Satan comes along, snatches a seed and says, Lord, you won't get any harvest out of that one. Because the one cannot, or worse, when someone will not, hear the word of God, who doesn't understand the grace, the mercy, the love that come with it. I don't want to hear your sh thou shalt nots. Don't talk to me. Hard soil. Another type is thin soil. It says rocky ground. That does not mean a rock farm like we tend to have here in New England where the frost brings up the rocks and brings up the rocks. You build a stone wall, and after a few years, you get another crop of rocks. Thank you for the glacier and all the soil it left behind. Geology students would get that, but... No, this is limestone. These are limestone formations. These are solid rock, and a few inches of soil will develop on the surface from the erosion of the rock, and you know how that happens. Well, if seeds fall on that, there's some nutritive soil for the first few inches. That soil is warmed by the sun, and when you get a rainstorm, the water sits on top of the limestone for a short while at least, it's well watered. Till the sun comes out and bakes that soil dry. And that germinated seed tries to put down roots, and roots in limestone aren't easy for wheat, spelt, rye, barley for lightweight things of, of grain. Well, some receive the word with great emotion. Some receive all kinds of words with great emotion. And a great flurry. And a great quick sprout. What wonderful faith. Until they run into some rock. They're not deeply rooted. Maybe they didn't stick it out in Sunday school. Maybe don't come to church and hear the word or, or read God's word and keep reinforcing it to dig their roots in deeply. And when it gets hot, 
socially, in faith, in life, their faith withers and dies because they don't have good roots to it. A flash in the pan, one would say, from old firelock images. Great deal of fuss and flurry and smoke and light, but it doesn't last. They don't hang on or it doesn't hang on to them. Now anybody here, and I know there are some of you here who know a lot more about farming than I do, can tell you just how persistent annual plants can be. Especially the ones we call weeds. Now what's the difference between a plant or a flower or a vegetable and a weed? Whether you want it or not, whether it does you any good or not, if it doesn't, it's a weed. And they tend to be the persistent ones, don't they? You might have trouble getting your flowers to come back every year the first few seasons. And our, our grains that we eat are usually uh, annuals. They're not perennials. I said annuals earlier, didn't I? Perennials are the weeds. Got the words backwards. At last, they come back. They're persistent. They're also tough. They're adapted well to the soil or they wouldn't be coming back every year. And they tend to get a good running start in that garden. And if you've tilled the garden well, you're just tilling the seeds of those perennials under and they're still going to come up. And you've got to take care of them. Well, if the seed falls, the word of God falls in the midst of a thicket of weeds, thorns, thistles. Picture the ugliest ones you really don't want in your cultivated ground. And it starts to try to sprout. And the water, the nutrients, even the sunlight are soaked up by the weeds, by the cares of the world. Someone whose faith might have fertile ground and maybe, maybe we really want it. Maybe we really would love to be tight with God and have that faith deeply rooted. And then the weeds of the world come in. Material needs, illness, grief, loss, lack of faith of friends and neighbors, and I mean faith in the sense of being trustworthy. And those things then can distract us from our faith, and even though it could have good roots, it's strangled above the ground by the cares of the world around us. How easily can that happen to any one of us? And then Jesus says, but the fertile soil. Now this is a mind and a heart that are open, open to listen. I hate to sound a puny phrase like positive attitude. It's much greater than that. But willing to hear, willing to think, by the way. It's mind and heart. If it's all heart, all emotion, it might be that rocky soil that doesn't take deep root. But God gave us thinking ability and he gave us our emotions and decision ability. And he says, turn them both to me. Turn them to my word. Let me till them and plant them. And they'll produce, depending on the crop, depending on the place planted, 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold, it's still an awful lot of harvest for what's planted. One commentator I read about theorized that he wasn't just 
encouraging people to have the open mind and heart. Remember, the second part of this is to his disciples. First part of it, the parable was to the crowds. And his disciples, being the kind of thick-skulled boys that they sometimes were in the stories, Lord, what do you mean? Why are you talking in parables? He says, well, they'll get it eventually. You're supposed to get it now. You're my inside club. Now let me explain here. These disciples are going to take these parables and they're going to be sent out to teach. While Jesus is here, and especially after he's returned to the Father to sit on his right hand, they're going to go out and teach these parables. They're going to teach these stories. And preachers now too, we'd love to think that we have such a gift of words or the if we're really faithful, the Holy Spirit gives us exactly the right words to reach every ear. Whether you're here or somebody watching the video or somebody listening to the podcast, that God's going to plant something in every ear that hears it. What do you think the odds of that are? People being as they are, the world being as it is. In some ways, this is an encouragement to any one of us who tells the word, who tells the stories, who passes on the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it won't always plant. Does the sower stop? Because as he's scattering seed, if you picture him just tossing it out there in the wind, it's going to blow to the weeds, it's going to blow to the path. Or they'd put a bag over the back of a donkey and cut a hole in the corner of it, just walk him up and down the field. The seeds would land where they will. Well, as we share that seed, as we share that birthright, that's our birthright. Not to be despised in the light of the feelings fading away of the initial blast. Not to be sold away when the weeds of the world choke us. God forbid, carried away by Satan before it can even root. That's our birthright, that harvest to nourish us, to nourish others, to nourish the world in spirit, in faith, in love, in comfort, in care. We're called not to despise our birthright. And when it's our turn to, to scatter the good news, don't despair if it doesn't always take root. God knows where, in whom, and how richly his gospel will bear the fruit of the birthright given to each and every one of us. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.